ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. Yom Kippur in a cloud of incense. 
because on one hand, he has to get close to God, but on the other hand, he has to take care that he not see God, which would have tragic consequences. And it seems to me that we have this image of wanting to be close to God and yet wanting to keep our distance. And that's a striking image for many of us who are shut in in some way in our homes. Um, our work lives are not what they used to be. And we also are cognizant of being too close and being distant from those that we love. I think I mean, your point is a, it's a great point. I mean, it establishes a certain sense of zones. And, and the Yom Kippur is, is a temporal zone, the holiest day. You know, we have this reading in the Machsor, you know, it's the holiest day, the holiest place, the holiest person, and all of these are defined by zones. And there are zones in which God it dwells, and there are zones, well, God dwells everywhere that God is permitted to dwell, I guess, but, but we have the zones of holiness, um, and we are trying to establish that, and trying to establish some proximity to God. I want to turn to you, Rabbi Kamanovsky. Tell us something that you take out of these, uh, uh, the Achremot Parsha. The Achremot portion. Well, you know, the, uh, it, it is a great challenge for monotheism to, um, to feel that God is everywhere and yet in certain moments, uh, certain moments in time, especially in certain uh, moments in space, especially. Um, there's a very famous passage in the Talmud about the Kohen Gadol entering the Beit Kodesh and Kodashim, he enters the Holy of Holies, he puts the cloud of incense and God appears on the incense and he has a vision of Akatri Yosheva Ram He's got the vision of, of the theomorphic God, you know, this, this theophany, God appears um, sitting on the throne, and God says, Yishmael b'ni barcheni, Yishmael, my son, give me a blessing. The human being can bless the divine, yeah. and the human being makes a prayer, She'yigolu rachamecha al midotecha, that your uh, mercy overwhelm your other characteristics, and that you should treat your children lifnim mishurat hadim, and you should give them a break. Um, you should, should be more merciful than the rules would necessarily encode. And it's, it's interesting to me that that is a, it's not a, it's not antinomian, it's not against a system of laws, but it's the element of mercy and generosity that tempers the strictness of the laws. Um, and so that reminds me that one of the features in the Aharemot portion of this Shabbat's reading um, includes the mitzvah. These are the mitzvot. These are the rules, my my hukotai mishpatai, my my laws and statutes. I show you aseotam adam v'chaybahem that a person should do and live by. Um, uh, the uh, the classical rabbinic way of reading the, that phrase. These are the person, the mitzvot that have laws and statutes that a person should do and live by them. The the sort of uh, rabbinic reading is veloshe yamut bahem. You shouldn't die in them. These are to cultivate life. And so there are, will come certain moments, there will come certain tragic moments or emergency moments where the rules that you have to follow, and ordinarily you should have to follow them, um, will be preempted by the need to protect life. And maybe it's a little bit of that blessing that, that Yishmael the Kohen Gadol gave to God that, that Yom Kippur day, that you should show us a little bit more mercy than the law will, will otherwise permit. Um, so maybe there are sometimes when the thing which is normally the right behavior is superseded by the need to protect life. And in our, in our way of interpreting this over the centuries, 
we have said that, that really, with the exception of uh, uh, killing another human being or uh, worshiping idols or sexual violations, r- really, you should do anything that you have to 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 live um, to protect so, your life. Would you say? I mean, and this is, of course, germane to our moment now. I mean, we are doing things that are really a suspension of normal Jewish life, precisely for the sake of what we call pikuach nefesh, for saving a life. And, and in the way that that idea is rooted here in this parsha of Echai Bahem, chapter 18, verse 5, it comes out of the context of, of living a holy life. A holy life is a life in which the, the order of priorities is governed by, by what is life, by maintaining life. So we can connect this, I think, with Yom Kippur as well, in that the Kohen, the way that the Torah understands the work of the Kohen, is the Kohen is totally dedicated to life. All elements or vestiges of death are removed from the priestly cult in the Torah because the Kohen embodies not only his own life, but the life of the community as well. I think so. And I just want to highlight one other aspect of this, which is the fact that, you know, in Yom Kippur, the the idea that we have condensed all of our sins onto this day, and it, it kind of harkens back to the Ego HaZahav for lots of reasons that we don't need to go into now, but that, that B'nai Yisrael has one day on which they can reinvigorate themselves to, to life, to spiritual life and to physical life. I don't know about you, but, but at the end of Yom Kippur, I get a, there's a certain glow, no? When it works. Totally. I mean, totally. It's a joyful moment at the end of Yom Kippur. Uh, not because you're going to run to eat, but because you feel that, um, you know, after fasting and after experiencing a day of, uh, of devotion, a day of intentionality, you know, you, you can anchor yourself now. You know, I, I, uh, I'm not a Yiddish speaker or reader or anything like that. Um, I don't know if I told you this in a previous week. I, I read this gigantic Yiddish novel in English, of course. Chaim Grada is the yeshiva. I just read it. Just um, Chaim Grada is, by the way, buried in the Anshin Chesed Cemetery. And just uh, yesterday, um, I had a burial there, or two days ago, rather. And uh, I like to go visit the graves of people that I've known. And um, I, I didn't know him. He died in 1982, but I did go to his grave. And in that book, um, there are sort of two major figures, and one of them is the is the Musar teacher Tzemach Atlas. He's a hard man sure. and a very negative orientation to life. Yeah. Uh, the the sort of vibe of being a Musar teacher is your own self interest, your own selfishness, your own bad your bad motives, your bad character qualities infect and destroy. They eat through the human character, and and it's like you got to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of all your bad characteristics. And there's another character um, who's, who's called Avraham Shaya Kosover, based on the real life character uh, Avraham Shaya Karelitz, the Chazon Ish, who instead points to speaks of religion as building up the goodness. And the character, the main character of the book, is sort of caught between these two charismatic figures. And what I w- want to say today about what what Elliot just said about Yom Kippur is, I do hope the Chaybahem and Yom Kippur, and we are ultimately saying a life-affirming message. Life is good. And it is not just the relentless, sinful, 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 
uh, you got to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of all your bad characteristics. You know, that's, that's such a powerful message for everyone to hear right now, because I think we're at a moment, I mean, we're in like, we're already approaching seven, eight weeks of this, you know, and I'm already hearing people with a, a great sense of desperation. I mean, they, people were in despair already two weeks into this, but we're seven, eight weeks into this and people are saying enough, enough, I can't take it anymore. And, I'm, and I wanna say something reassuring, which is, you know, there, there's something about this time, as difficult as it is to be apart from each other and to have our whole lives disrupted, that is opening up possibilities for us in terms of new discoveries and new ways of, of living that are, that are very rich, very deep, um, and that are, are teaching us a lot of things about life itself. And so we can touch some life force here, even in this time of isolation. I think that that's... I, I spoke to somebody today, just, just before we made this call, I spoke to a, a congregant who's got some other health problems and what, what the COVID thing has meant is that she can't have the surgery, which is not, it's not elective surgery. She's not having a, you know, uh, face, facelift or something like that. She needs this surgery. Yeah. Um, and it's been postponed. And so it's been hard for her and she's anxious about COVID. But she also said that for the first time in her life, she wakes up every day and benches Shehechianu that I woke up today and I'm glad Absolutely. I'm alive. Absolutely. And I think, I think that insight, you know, of appreciation of what we have is, is I, I, my hope is, God willing, that, that, that when this all ends, that, that people take that appreciation into their lives. I think, you know, there's, there's plenty to talk about in Akhremat, but we want to we wanna spend some time focusing on Kedoshim. Kedoshim, which uh, is based on the first verse in that parsha, Kedoshim to you, or the second verse, really, because the first verse says, Daber al kol adat b'nei Yisrael v'amart alem Kedoshim to you. Why? Ki Kedosh. Because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So uh, give me your, your uh, definition, holiness. Barry. Barry. I greatly appreciate the offer. Um, <laughs> I think I, I understand holiness as being separate. Um, that's the classical definition. The commentaries on the first verse uh, link it to sexual propriety, that um, we live as Jews, a, uh, a holy, we have a holy sex ethic. But what I always come back to is that that which is holy, with the exception of God, of course, is always significantly less than what is not holy. We have six days of Chol, of weekday, and one day of Shabbat. We have one family that we invest in the priesthood as opposed to everyone else. We have one country that we consider holy, and in that country we have one city that is holier. And you know, in the Mishnah, it keeps going down until we get to the holy of holies. And it bespeaks attention that on one hand we want to become totally holy, as it were, and on the other hand we recognize that holiness, by definition, again with the exception of God, is limited. And so we cultivate a life of striving and trying to find the balance between what is holy and what is not holy, recognizing that we cannot live completely in either world. My comment asked you. I, uh, I, I do, know what, what, what Barry Chesler just said is, is certainly a, a major theme. I, I wanna take it a little bit differently because what you said is absolutely correct. If, if you, if you uh, 
if you treat everything as equally holy, then nothing is, is really holy. If you love all people equally, then your spouse and your children are not really, you know, special in your life. So I'm going to go, though, with the words special and intense for what is holy. That There are certain zones that are just pervaded with presence, with importance, with refinement, with beauty. And those are the things that I call holy. And so I said before when we were talking about the, the challenge of monotheism, that the, that the emphasis on in Acharemot about the Mikdash as being the holy place. If you believe God is everywhere, then I don't want to say that God can't be found outside of Eretz Yisrael or outside of Jerusalem. If you believe that every moment is potentially holy, I don't want to say that Shabbat is the only sacred or possibly sacred moment. So what I want to say is that, that there are descriptively things that we invest, things that we work on, moments that are special and full of intensity, and that the other moments are potentially sanctifiable. There's a, you know, there's a myth, sort of mythic trope that Jerusalem, it's more, I guess this is Kabbalistic as well as, as rabbinic, that Jerusalem will just expand to fill the whole world. I hope that our Shabbos um, gives us a little bit of inkling of the ultimate expansion of sanctity to, that everything can be as special and, and as, as intense. You know, I think about it also in terms of uh, the particular, that the, the finite, the, the, the very, very, I mean, and these are all synonyms to what you're saying, the, the defined space, the, the, the separate space, the, the making separate. I think of, you know, the words uh, in, in the beginning of Psalm 150, hallelujahu, Right, El Bikocho is in the in the finite space of of the Kodesh, which is an infinitesimal space. Bikiozo is the ever you know the larger space, and and um, and that in some way our 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 own personal universe is defined based on on that particular and the universal, and Kodesh is about being personal, particular, intimate, um, and as being private. And I think the Parsha itself is trying to define this. You know, Jeremy and I have taught this, uh, the, these uh, verses to, um, you know, the, our, our campers over the years. And we would say, you know, this is a, a kind of counterbalance to be a blessing. Be a blessing, be holy. Be a blessing, be holy. Be a blessing is, a, is, is the call to the universal, you know, aspects. You know, the things that you need to be for the world. Uh, and Beholdy says something to me in terms of the particular way I live my life. I live my life with a particular set of rituals, with a particular set of definition of time, with calendar, with dress, and with all the things that are defined here, which are primarily ethical, but also ritual. And perhaps we could take a moment to just dip into, there's so much content in this Parsha, um, and, and um, what, uh, you know, Pick a verse. So we'll start with Rabbi Kalmanowski. Pick a verse. Well, um, you know, it's interesting to me that the, um, the, this Parsha here of, of, of uh, Leviticus chapter 19, what's sometimes called the Holiness Code because of Kedoshim Tihiyu, and then, then it goes to behaviors. Um, is, is sanctity a sort of a property of an object? Um, you know, to fill in, I mean, to, to fill in or talit or sefer Torah, they, they kind of are inherently holy 
we attribute that holiness because of our culture. Um, I don't know that a Martian would see holiness, you know, radiating off a Sefer Torah, but we Jews see, see it, those as holy objects. But the, and, and one of the mitzvot in the Parsha is, you know, honor Shabbat time, honor the Mikdash, my place. But most of them are about just behaviors. Yeah. They are about how to behave in a way which makes your life holy. And I want to, so on this catalog of holy behaviors, um, there's two kinds of loves. There's the most famous verse, perhaps in the whole Torah, or one of the most famous verses, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. And, and it, with that little coda at the end, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, for I am the Lord. You, you get the idea that the human being is in the image of God. But then later on in the parsha, it says it talks about making the ger, the stranger, ka ezrach, just like a citizen, the ahavta lo kamocha, and love him as you love yourself. Um, to me, those two verses speak about the different sorts of societies that we have. Love your neighbor who is like you. Your neighbor shares so much um, in your life; they share values and experiences. Love the people who are like you. And then the strangers, people who are really not like you, who don't share your experiences, you might not have a common set of experiences to draw on. You got to love him too. You got to love people who are like you and people who are not like you. And so to me, that's, that's the holy living, that you be a, a creature whose life manifests love and care. Rabbi Chesler, pick a verse. So the verse I would go with, is the one that comes right before the Ahaptal Kamocha or a few verses before. That you should not curse the deaf person or put a stumbling block before the blind. We all understand that you can't put a stumbling block before the blind because the person will trip and fall. But the question is, why should we not curse a deaf person? They don't hear our curse. And so we might think no harm, no foul. And then the verse concludes, that you should fear God, I am the Lord. That our concern has to be with the obvious, the stumbling block before the blind, but also for things that are perhaps less obvious, that when we look down at someone, when we say things that they can't respond to that are not helpful, such as cursing the death, the, the deaf, we do harm to ourselves and to God. And that what has to guide us is sometimes what we think God wants from us and not only what our inclinations lead us towards. So we have uh, the, these messages about love and these are rules about living in a society, what kind of society we want to create. Um, uh, which is translated here, do not deal basely with your country. We, are, we also interpret Rechilut as going around being a talebearer. Do not talk about people. Do not be a talebearer. Do not uh, spread God. Well, it's not exactly God, but do not spread things about people. Do not stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. How powerful that idea is even now. I remember it even, even in a literal context. You know, I don't know if you had the experience of being doing the chaplaincy at Sloan Kettering. Did you ever do training chaplaincy? So one of the, one of the sessions was uh, we, we had to be inside the operating theater during an open heart surgery. 
and we all dressed up in scrubs and everything. And and literally, there's a guy with his chest open, and and <laughs> it's a messy place, uh, operating room, and there was blood all over the floor. And I go, oh my god, lotamot al dam reacha, you know, it's can stand on the. So what I'm saying here is, do not stand idly by. Means means, of course. We've got to be concerned about things going on. We can't. We 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 can't have uh, apathy. It it it. All of these mitzvot are directing us in terms of behavior. And I even would say, kamocha is as much as it as we understand it to be as a commandment to love. It's also a commandment to be loyal. That is to say, I I can. It's hard to gauge what love is. Uh, but it's 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 not that hard to gauge what loyalty is, and if I am to live in a society where uh, I am to be uh, I live with people, uh, I have to uh, exercise a certain degree of loyalty on a very basic level, which could be loyalty to the our fellow human beings, and loyalty to our fellow Jews, our fellow members, our reim, our 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 neighbors, friends. And our kinsmen is what it's about. That's so right on because when you talk about Re'im, um, your, your, your neighbors, your comrades, um, and leave aside for the moment the, the, the question of the, the relationship of the Gare to that society, um, you are really asking yourself the question, what do I owe my fellow human beings? What can they expect from me? Um, and these things emerge from relationships. So the it's it's impossible to miss that the that the parsha kedoshim begins with a rather kind of like a flashing headline. Uh, God says to Moses, "Daber el kol adat bnei Yisrael." Speak to the entire Israelite community, as if to say, "Okay, you folks, you owe certain things to each other. You owe not to be destructive talebearers." You owe each other um, that you will not exploit each other economically. You're going to give fair judgment. You're going to not take. You're going to exploit people who are blind or deaf. Um, you are. You not when people are at risk of dying. You're not going to stand idly by. You're going to try to help save their lives. And I, I think that that's just a huge and important question. And everybody should ask themselves. And now we in North America are in this real health crisis. I mean, all over the world, of course. But. Sure. Uh, what do we owe each other? What is it that people can expect from me? And what is it that I'm going to have to rise to the occasion to meet for other people? On, on every level, on a personal level, on a community level, on a global level. Right. So when you were talking, Ali, you mentioned Rayim, neighbors or companions. And there's just a, a matter of emphasis between Rayim and Raim, between companions and bad people. And a lot of it is attitudinal. We can look at the other person as our companion or we could see them as being bad. And what struck me is listening to our conversation is that a part of holiness is aspirational. It's designed to make the world a better place. And we make it better by trying to improve it, by treating people well, rather than looking down on people and thinking that somehow we're better because we're above them when we're actually on the same level and we have much to, to give and to get as well. But I think, you know, we define ourselves in the, in the Klal Yisrael as, as having a special role to play in attaining that, um, in attaining something of, of betterment in the world. 
That, that's our job. That's what Kedoshim is about. To create a society in which you are able to care for one another, in which you're able to be loyal to one another, in which you're not supposed to uh, be um, uh, negative towards the, the most vulnerable people in, in, your, in your community. What kind of society are you trying to create? That's what Kedoshim is trying to answer. Okay. Kamenovsky. Yeah, and that's, that's it. That's it. So, so with that, we're gonna we we have to move our our time is coming up here, but um, we're we're the 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 parsha ends on this note: "Vitem li kedoshim, be holy to me, avdilatchem mikol min min liotli." You have this special place to me. It's the process of havdala, making differentiation differentiations, and then of course it says. Uh, a man or a woman who has a ghost or a familiar spirit shall be put to death. They shall be pelted with stones. Their blood guilt shall be upon them. Every single life is valuable and must be protected, but some people are just bad. That's, that's, you, but, you know, by the way, the, I, I do want to just note that, um, that the dynamics of universality and particularity are, are just pervasive in Judaism. We're always going to have those, that dialectic about um, the uniqueness of our people and its mission and its vocation and we are all like all other human beings. The Haftarah, yes. the Parsha is Amos, Halo Yisrael. You guys, you know, I care about the Ethiopians just like you. And I care about, you know, Ishtimi Kaftor Ve'aram Mikir. You know, God is portrayed in Amos, Prophet Amos there is playing chess with the world's nations. Yeah, I took you out of Egypt because that was what was right. And everybody else also has a place in the overall divine plan. And so I do feel, certainly without, without question as a Jew, I feel part of a breach, I feel part of a covenant, I feel part of a national mission and destiny. And I also want to affirm that uh, to believe in God is to believe that not only are all, are all people equal, but all peoples are equal and all peoples have vocations as well. We look forward to future days. We look forward to future days too, but we had this wonderful conversation today. Uh, and uh, we want to wish our, our, I think, our five viewers now, and uh, all of our friends at Machane Ramah. And By the way, guys, you know, not speaking of Machane Ramah, yes. several of the camps today, I think, uh, sort of announced that they weren't opening on time or they maybe were canceling the first session. And uh, I, we know how, how incredibly important camp was to, to our children and to us as, I mean, you guys were campers. I was never a camper, but. Um, I was not a camper. Yeah, I was a camper, and I would say to you, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine, it would be absolutely crushing. 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 If 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 this were my Gesher summer, uh, and I couldn't go back, I, I there would. I can't even. I don't know it. what to do. Yeah. So you know, we have a lot of empathy for for our kids. You know, we love them. We we, we adore them, and we miss them very much. And. Whatever, whatever it is that we guys can, that you're going to get, we're praying for you that you're going to get whatever, whatever kind of moment of of uh, kites, kites, alpine vestrim. We hope you, we hope you get. You get it, and with the bracha that we should have healing soon uh, for our communities, for our people, for for Kal Yisrael. Uh, we celebrated a great week in Israel, Medinat Yisrael. Yom Atzmaut was a couple was just yesterday. Had a wonderful celebration. We wish. Everyone in all of our communities, Shabbat Shalom. Guys, great to see you all. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. See you next week. See you next week.
This has been Parsi Talk.